Hey, everybody. I'm, uh, hi. Uh, if you didn't know, I am Riley Smurl. Uh, uh, I am one of the co-hosts of Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages, which is a podcast I do with uh, Taylor Smurl, my other sister, and Sydney of Sawbones. Um, I really hope you all appreciate me being here tonight, because I was just made aware today that Jane the Virgin Season 2 is out on Netflix. So I... Uh, so I stopped watching that backstage and I paused it and my battery's real low, so, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna rush through all this business stuff Justin told me to say, um, no recording audio or video, uh, you can take pictures but no flash photography, um, there will be posters on sale during intermission that are already signed in the lobby, uh, and I think that's it. There's a limited number, that's what Travis just told me to say, so. There's only a limited number of signposters. Um, so thank you all for coming, and here is Sawbones. Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tom is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. And welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. It's every time, and I wish I could say it doesn't hurt. Because that would make me a bigger man, but it does it pains me deeply. Hey Sid. Hi. Hi. How's it going? I'm, I'm trying to grow. Okay. Oh yeah, it's a little low. Here. Okay. Uh, sit up straight. Posture. Bus fall. Back up straight. Feet on the floor. Bus fall. <laughs> Learned that from choir. Where all my bus fall heads at. Uh, so this is Sawbones. Uh, we uh, try to go through, we try to do each of our shows sort of, um, ge- our live shows sort of geographically themed when we can. Yeah. We yeah, we, we draw from the deep pool of knowledge we have about the places we go mm-hmm. and, and try to, you know, make it something you can connect to. Yeah. Like when we did a show in Milwaukee, all we did was repeat the Wayne's World bit that Alice Cooper does. <laughs> we tied that's, it that's directly. That's all we knew. All, that's all we knew. <laughs> so what, what did we know about Boston? Number one, beans. Yeah. <laughs> love You guys love them. You're crazy about them. You make a bad candy about them. You love beans. <laughs> That's one. Careful. Careful. What? No, I'm Don't not offend just... anybody. Uh, okay, your candy's fine. <laughs> what, your... what else do you know about Boston? Um, okay, the other one is uh, uh, Red Sox. <laughs> As a gimme, though, there's nothing, med- nothing medical about that. And um, the other one we, we knew was, you guys hate tea. 
You guys are yeah. not fans of tea. Yeah, you guys aren't fans of tea. You threw it all in the river. I said, I hate this tea. Or a lake? <laughs> I think it was a harbor. A harbor? You heard somebody out there say it. No, I knew that. It, it, 1773. Whoa. What? That's impossible because that's before America was born. <laughs> nice, nice try, Dr. Who. <laughs> there was nothing here before then. <laughs> when it emerged whole from panacea. From, okay. So, but so, you guys hate tea. So since you hate tea, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, tea. The medical history of tea. And I know that seems weird. I mentioned that several times. I'm going to do tea. And people are like, that's, well, that's not medicine. But I promise <laughs> it, it is. I mean, it isn't. No, it isn't. It's not medicine. But there's a long history. And I think everybody has this idea like tea is good for you. Tea is healthy for you. Well, why? So... Do you want to do you want to hear about that? Uh, absolutely, okay. I do. So, as far as where tea came from, there are a couple of interesting myths that I found as to like the origin, the first person to find tea. The most popular mythological, possibly partially true origin of tea is from 2737 BCE when Emperor Shenong uh, was he only liked to drink water that had been boiled. Um, which was really smart at the time. He didn't know he was, like, killing germs, but he was. And so he was on this journey with his whole court to visit another royal somewhere else, and they stopped so that he could have his break and his water, and they sat down and boiled his water uh, next to a bush. And a leaf from the bush fell in his water, and it was from the tea plant. Camellia sinensis. And then some sugar from a sugar plant <laughs> fell in. And it fell into a cup plant. And he was like, this is great. I wish there was. And then the spoon plant was like, allow me. <laughs> and then cows. I mean, cows are the other thing with milk. But there's not a milk no, plant. I'm not no. an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the most popular origin of tea that you find. And then he, he really liked it. And so everybody was like, let's try that. Let's do that too. Uh, there's this other myth that's a little more gruesome, but I like it, that comes from India, <laughs> where uh, the Buddha was making a pilgrimage to China. And he wanted to meditate for nine solid years. Now, when you meditate, you're not supposed to sleep. I guess. I, I do. But you're not supposed to. So he was going to stay awake for nine solid years. Well, that's really hard, and he couldn't. He fell asleep, which I think I would forgive him for. Yeah. But that's a long time. Uh, well, sort of. It was not a great idea, Buddha. <laughs> he but, had a lot of good ones. Don't get me wrong. Love that guy. <laughs> but he was, so, he was so ashamed that he couldn't meditate for nine solid years and that he fell asleep that he cut his eyelids off. So, the, so that he wouldn't be able to sleep anymore and he threw them upon the ground and there, from there sprang this plant with leaves that were sort of shaped like eyelids, which I guess the leaves from the tea plant are, and there you go. So, And it keeps you awake. To compare the two possible things, <laughs> either the Buddha cut his eyelids off and grew a magical caffeine plant... <laughs> Or some leaves fell in a dude's water. <laughs> I'm no historian, but I know which one I'm leaning towards. That's probably why the first one's more popular. Probably, probably a little bit more popular. <laughs> 
So, so there are mentions of tea dating back thousands of years, and initially it was really viewed as, as a health beverage or a stimulant, definitely. I mean, people understood pretty quickly, like, I don't know what this is, but I'm awake, this is great. Um, people use it as a food more than they did a recreational drink. Uh, they would take the leaves and actually kind of cook them with garlic and onions. Nice. Eat, the, eat tea leaves or pickle the tea leaves. That was that was a popular way. And we see mentions even in like ancient literature of this. This is great for you to take, not because it's good, not because we enjoy it, because it's good for things like tumors or abscesses. Just in general, all tumors, all abscesses, especially about the head. Anything around the head, it's good for that. Uh, any ailments of the bladder, it's good for um, if you have too much phlegm, you know, we've talked about humors before. If your phlegm is all out of balance, and you got too much heated up phlegm, that's not a real thing. But it was good for that. Um, it well, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was something for that. It wasn't real, right? No, it wasn't real for okay. that. But I mean, you know, it's a made up problem. It's a made up treatment. Hey, it's simpatico, yeah. Uh, it lessened the desire for sleep. We knew that. Uh, it quenched your thirst. <laughs> Okay. All right, guys. We're getting a little loosey-goosey with our medical uh, treatments. And it gladdens and cheers the heart. Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Uh, and you see that tea becomes so popular and so valuable that by the Sui dynasty, it's actually traded as currency. You can actually you know, pay for things with like cakes of tea. That makes sense. It could become a kind of commodity, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Romans use salt. Yeah. That. Hey. Hey. Look at you. Watch me go. Look at you with your history. <laughs> You've been taking it slow over there, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> in, <laughs> Monastic drinking levels tonight. In, uh, in 800 AD, that's when you really see like tea, the tea breaks through. It becomes, you know, a breakaway pop hit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lou Yu wrote a book it called like the tea script, which, uh, or, or the, the name for it was Cha Ching. And, uh, everybody got. <laughs> no, 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 the no, no, that was no, the name no, no, for no, madam, it. madam, Dr. Madam, the madam. The word for tea is Cha. So, <laughs> so it's the Cha Ching. <laughs> yes. That's fine. But like, don't act like you're just going to blaze past that. I was that, trying. Okay? I was. You know, I'm going to pump the brakes on that one. Okay. In this two birds in car we're driving. I was trying to just, no. Just zoom on past. Well, everybody read this and got really into tea afterwards. They read and what? <laughs> what did they read? What was the name? I forgot the, I forgot the name. The cha-ching. Okay. <laughs> it, so, and it became like an essential part of your diet. Um, it was even thought that if you were, especially like the nomadic people who weren't necessarily able to get all the fresh fruits and vegetables that they needed in their diet, oh, it's cool, just drink tea. We think that probably does the same thing. <laughs> Sure. I don't know. I don't know why they thought that, but it was like, yeah, just drink some tea. That'll be fine. And you can carry that with you a lot easier than you could a bunch of fresh things that obviously would go bad. And then people started adding other things to it. Well, if it's good for you with just the tea, why not throw in some ginger? Right. And how about some orange or peppermint or onions? Okay. Which was a popular tea onion beverage. Like a savory tea. Like a dinner tea. <laughs> it's like that one person on British Bake Off who's like, oh, you, you're doing um, cupcakes. Love those. I put ham in mine. There's always that one dude. There's always that one idiot. And like, they want to stand out that way. And that's yeah. not the way you want to stand out. Like, I, I put sage in ham. It's like, stop it. It's a cupcake, you idiot. 
You British idiot. <laughs> and you know they never roll it tight enough, so it's just like sloppy, floppy ham in there. Good cupcakes, stupid. Don't eat this, Mary. Don't, don't eat, eat this, this Mary. Mary, don't eat this. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that was, a, that was a deep cut British makeoff. See our British makeoff bit. We get so excited because he said it like twice. And every time there's a bad bake, we're like, he's about to drop. Don't eat this, Mary. <laughs> he's going to say it. He never does. Anyway, uh, tea? Now, most of this tea that I'm talking about. It's all British. It all connects, is, baby. It's really green tea. Uh, the, the first tea that people were drinking was probably what we would think of as green tea. And, and I, had to, I had to look into this because I didn't know much about like what, what is green, white, black tea. You know, what differentiates, what does that mean? And it's really just the time, they say the time of fermentation, really what they're talking about is oxidation of the leaves, because it's not like alcoholic. We've already talked about that, that's kombucha. But, uh, so there's, there's even a thought that maybe the first black tea was when green tea was being shipped to the West, and it just oxidized too long. And then like British people got it and were like, oh, this is what tea is, I guess. I don't know. They're really, they're really crazy about it over in the East, I guess this is what we'll drink, and... There they all go. made it. It's kind of an Emperor's New Clothes effect where they're like, this is great. <laughs> this is popular, right? Ugh. And there are lots of other herbal infusions that then came from this that really aren't technically teas. If you're not using the, the tea plant, the tea leaves, it's not tea. Okay. So when you talk about something that's just like, like a ginseng tea or you know, just ginger tea or some other kind of tea, lavender, that isn't, that doesn't have tea in it. It's not really, you can't call it tea. I mean, you can't, we all do, but it's not tea. Okay. But all these were thought to be health beverages too. So like in traditional Chinese medicine, you saw all these like drink some ginseng tea for your adrenal glands or some lyceum tea for your blood glucose or how about some licorice tea because it'll make you poop less, you know. Okay. That kind of thing. Sure. Um, and many of these tasted really bad, which was part of why they were used so frequently. Because this was one of the principles of, especially in like traditional Chinese medicine, was good medicine is bitter, but good for treating disease. So the more bitter, the better. So there you go. So the worse it tastes, the healthier you are. That works with kale, I know. <laughs> <laughs> or anything green, really. It's cool. We figured out how to fry that. So it's Oh, yeah, now. sure. Kale chips, thanks. <laughs> we made it taste good. Um, Europeans got wind of tea in the late 1500s. It made it to the would-be U.S. In the 1600s with the Dutch, it became very expensive by the 1700s. Everybody wanted tea. It was all over the place. Uh, like I said, it was being traded as currency. And so there was this huge fake tea market that opened up <laughs> where people were shipping things that weren't really tea, and they were usually colored with either some sort of copper uh, that was really dangerous for you to be drinking or... <laughs> less dangerous, more gross, sheep poop was a really common way for you to, like, make something look like tea. Listen, Harold, I know you love tea. You're always talking about it. Now that I tried it, I have to say, I don't get it. <laughs> What's the appeal? <laughs> you know what it tastes like? It tastes like sheep poop, Harold. I'm sorry, i got to be honest. I'm Mary Berry, senior, senior, senior. <laughs> the medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. 
And uh, you see in the 1700s, all of these reports on the health benefits of tea start coming out. As it becomes more popular and everybody's drinking it, they're like, oh, look, it cures scurvy. It's good for indigestion. It's good for chronic fear. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's good. (laughs) When it's first uh, sold and marketed in London uh, in the 1800s by Thomas Garraway, who was the owner of Garraway's Coffee House, it was purely as a health drink. It was a medicine. You were not buying tea so that you could just like sit and have a nice cup of tea and, you know, relax. You were drinking tea so that you could uh, make your body active and lusty, (laughs) remove obstructions from your spleen. Um, It was very good against the stone and the gravel in your kidneys and ureters. And literally anything else. Uh, He talked about clearing up your sight. Um, It would uh, cleanseth and purineth your adult humors and your hot liver. (laughs) (laughs) Your hot liver. Hot liver. Um, It was good against, this is crudities. I thought it said crudités, which just really, (laughs) I enjoyed. I'm assuming crudities or something different. (laughs) Let's all, let's agree it probably means farts. Probably means farts. If, I think they do, because then it goes on to talk about how good it is for your stomach. It's good for your appetite, good for your digestion. So I think he means it's good against farts. Um, it's <laughs> particularly good. Sorry, that wasn't funny. It's just you said farts. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, it's my it's my fault. I married you. I don't I don't know what <laughs> I knew it's what I was in for. It's your fault. You said farts, <laughs> Sydney. It's, uh, it's particularly good, he writes, for men of a corpulent body uh, because they are great eaters of flesh. And so they need tea. <laughs> Again, he writes that it, we, ta- we get this theme, we know it's got caffeine, we know that it keeps you awake. And he writes, it, it overcometh superfluous sleep. Okay, that one is accurate. When all that excess sleep you have laying around, don't worry. Don't worry. Tea's going to fix you right up. We'll get you through that. Um, he recommends mixing it with milk and water. So we start to see like that, that you can prepare it with milk, which was totally a new thing, by the way. The British were the ones that added sugar and milk and stuff like that to tea. I mean, because you think about it, with green tea, that wasn't usually happening. But then with black tea, all of a sudden you see sugar. And, and why? I read about that. Why? I don't know. They just liked it. They just like sugar. So, yeah, it's, not, it's not a medical thing, folks. They just liked it. They just liked it. Um, and again, it's good for everything. It's good for uh, pains of the guts, looseness of the bowels, uh, purging the blood by sweat and urine. It okay. expelleth infection, um, and it safely purgeth the gall. So anything. Whatever. <laughs> this is how he opened his shop and said tea, and then just unra- unveiled this huge scroll. And was like, uh-huh. You can make the argument that it is a cure-all. <laughs> Hmm. And what do we know about cure-alls, everybody? They cure <laughs> nothing. nothing. That's right. <laughs> uh, now, of course, when anything becomes really popular, you get people who are for and people who are against, in, especially in the medical community. We just like to fight about things. So you have doctors who are immediately endorsing this. There's a Dutch doctor, Cornelius Decker, who was like, yes, you need to drink at least 8 to 10 cups a day. And he claimed <laughs> to drink 50 to 100 a day of tea a day that's a lie though we have a name for those today it's lies <laughs> we're drinking any 50 cups of tea I little know. willy wonka candy cups like a joke thimble 
50 cups of tea. I found I found a lot of mentions that Samuel Johnson, the writer, was a big fan of tea as well. And I kept finding this reference, like at one party, he was even witnessed to have 16 cups of tea. And I just kept thinking about what a boring party. <laughs> and everybody was just like, oh man, that's, I think that's 14. That's 14 for sure. How much farther is he going to go? You think, no way he's going to, no, 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 it's 15. Hey, everybody, Dolores. Check. Hold on, wait. He went to pee again. He'll be back. Hold He'll be on. back. He'll we'll be back. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's 15. No, seriously. Now, of course, there was a counter movement to this uh, in England. There were a lot of uh, wealthy people who, ha- who were the ones who had access to tea, and then they started worrying about everybody else drinking their tea because they thought, oh, it might make our working classes weak and melancholy. I guess they weren't worried about themselves, but they were worried about everybody else. And then a French doctor was like, I think you're going to get hot all the time if you drink tea. And (laughs) a lot of people thought that the stimulant effect might make you nervous. They started saying that it would make women ugly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, There were concerns that people would drink tea instead of eating food. (laughs) Or or instead of drinking the much more nutritionally sound beer. Um, and they, were, they also started to rumor that it would turn all women into prostitutes. <laughs> the, the thing that saved tea was temperance. Because they wanted Don't to Don't you cheer a- <laughs> for temperance in front of me. How dare you? In front of us? Temperance. Oh. Hey, by the way, quick time out before we talk about this. Can you show everybody the beer from uh, uh, Columbia Brewing real quick? Look at this. Plenty MD. There's our cool doctor, Plenty. And it's got Sawbones right on the back. And it's delicious. It's delicious. And it's 8.5% ABV. It's 8%. Should be a fun night for everybody. Taking it slow. So temperance. Temperance. Now let's hear a nice boo for temperance. But temperance did save tea because they started telling people, hey, we don't want you to drink alcohol anymore. And everybody got mad and was like, you're taking away our booze too? And they were like, oh, we'll give you back the tea. And I guess everybody went, okay. Okay, oh, fine. Like, like alcohol, tea. alcoholic tea? No, no, no. <laughs> no the just regular... the tea. Just the plain tea. Plain and, tea. And so then you started seeing like tea houses and tea rooms replacing pubs and bars. And there you get tea rooms from there yeah, to encourage people to drink tea instead of alcohol. Uh, And that actually, by the way, helped the women's suffrage movement because that was the first place that was ever created, a tea room where women could go gather and it was cool. Like they didn't have to be escorted. Yeah. So thank you, tea. Thanks, tea. Um, In the 1840s is when, I wondered about this, afternoon tea, like why is that a thing? Because every time we've traveled to the UK, we've really enjoyed that. Like, and we, we always, get cookies. You know what it's, it's, it's the like, afternoon, it's they're like, going to give us cookies. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the weight loss pledge you do in years. Every time we, we leave, well, we've only been a couple of times, but when we leave, we're like, you know what? We got to do this at home. At, well, every afternoon, let's stop and have tea. We make it like two weeks. Because you get cookies with it. You do get cookies with it. That's sweet. <laughs> Make some scones. That started in the 1840s. The seventh Duchess of Bedford got really hungry one afternoon and, and said, hey, servants, why don't you bring me some tea and some treats to my room so I can just sit here and like chill with tea and some cookies and stuff. And this led, I just thought this was, this is not medical. I just thought this was fascinating. It led to the tea gown, which was a, a special gown that women would have made for them, especially like wealthy ladies, that you would wear at this specific time of the day when you sat in your room and had your afternoon tea. And it was, it was very loose and easy to wear, like a lot of their garments wouldn't have been at the time. 
and so it was very easy to remove. <laughs> so <laughs> the tea gown became this like, like fetish item, this erotic piece of clothing that you would wear like to drink tea, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And it became like synonymous with this time of day, which is called the uh, Saint-Gossep, or five to seven, which is the time of day when you're supposed to have affairs. <laughs> I love the French. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is the affair time. This is your affair time where you have tea and cookies and you wear a special gown that, you're, that you take off for your lover. There you go. Can you imagine how like, <laughs> what a sweet time it would have been to be alive when everything was so boring and nothing that one day you could decide to have tea in your room and everybody's like, start a trend. Everybody, do you hear the new thing? Like, what? I just had tea in my room once. Yeah, we're all crazy for it. That was such a good idea. Because <laughs> nobody does anything yet. So, like, you just invented a whole, whole meal by, like, doing that that one time. That's awesome. It would have been in all the magazines. Everybody would have been gossiping about did it. You did you hear the you news? Hear what the Duchess of Bedford did? Not 14 cups. She's no <laughs> Henry David for a little lush. She had cakes, too. Cakes, too, in addition. <laughs> Print it somewhere. Who, do we print yet? <laughs> Does anybody know if printing's yeah, a thing Yeah, we're printing. Yet? We're printing. Print it. <laughs> In a magazine, newspaper, broadsheet, broadsheet. <laughs> print it in a broadsheet. Uh, in, in 1904, we see the creation of iced tea. It was actually at the World... Whoa, he is older than I thought. <laughs> great <laughs> some death becomes her stuff going on there huh do you feel good about that <laughs> so good <laughs> the rapper <laughs> so at the world's fair in 1904 uh, a really uh, clever entrepreneur thought it's really hot nobody wants to drink tea right now why don't I throw some ice in there Voila, iced tea. Um, tea bags were created in 1908 when a, a New York tea importer named Tom, Thomas Sullivan started sending clients these little bags, these little silk bags of, of his tea to like, hey, check out this delicious tea. Do you want to buy some more of this? And people just got them and were like, oh, I just put this in water, just the whole thing, okay. And just started steeping them. And there you go, there's tea bags. It was just like an accident. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Again, I was just thinking about, how, again, how, like, I wish I'd been born, like, they had nothing. This guy with a tea in a bag is like, you're, uh, you're the CEO of this invention. And, and today, you know, as we're kind of moving into now, I still think we get this idea that especially certain kinds of tea can help you with different things. If you look at the tea types, um, green tea is often touted as being like an antioxidant and that it, it, because of that, it'll help you fight specifically cancer. You see that a lot, like it will help prevent cancer, autoimmune disease. Um, black tea is in theory supposed to fight uh, strokes, so help, supposed to help prevent strokes and also be really good for oral health, just for your mouth in general. 
Uh, white tea is supposed to be good for high blood pressure, high cholesterol, good for osteoporosis, and then oolong tea is supposed to be good for diabetes and weight loss. Um, and then there's also, I found uses for tea currently that aren't necessarily like drinking it. You could use it as a mouthwash for strep throat. I found that. And then that you could put it in your foot bath if your feet are smelly. And then they smell like tea. And they That's smell like tea. Like, can you do the, is that a thing to put tea bags on your eyes? Is that a thing? Yeah, I've, I'm, yeah. So, I mean, is it a thing? Do people do it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. People do everything, though. To, That's to, if special. their eyes are puffy. Um, now, why do we all think tea is healthy? Because, I mean, that's still, I mean, I, I don't think that that's weird to say. Like, I drink tea for my health. Um, because it has a lot of polyphenols, which are these bioactive substances that can do a lot of different things. We know in a lab, we know they do a lot of different things. They can antioxidize things. They can be antivirals. They can fight inflammation. Um, we've seen evidence that they have certain factors that play a role in the immune system to help boost, the make the immune system more active. Um, and then you get like these non-specific things like they also detoxify, which I always hate that. Your liver does that, guys. <laughs> thank, thank goodness. That's what, that's what your liver does. That's what it's doing for me. It's, thank your liver. Um, and that they can also stop platelets from clumping. Now, if that were all true, if tea could do that in your bodies, in all of our bodies, that would be great because then it would help to prevent cancer and to prevent uh, cardiovascular disease, to prevent strokes and heart attacks, um, any kind of chronic inflammation, any autoimmune diseases, all those things. Yes, if that were all true. The problem. The problem is that a lot of the Wait, studies... can I guess? <laughs> it's not... A lot of it, there haven't, and again, and a lot of people will say this like, well, we don't do big studies on tea because big pharma doesn't get money off of big tea. <laughs> uh, I don't know why everything's big now. Um, but, but the fact is there have been, there have been an, an abnormally large number of studies done on tea, and a lot of this is done in a lab. So like we take these polyphenols and we look at them, you know, in test tubes and stuff and go, oh, look at all that stuff it did. But then when we put it in humans, we don't see the same effect. Unfortunately, oh yeah, it would be great. It would be great, it's too but bad. you know, if if green tea could cure cancer, which is you know out there on the internet's all over the place, um, we probably would have like figured that out by now. And we've done studies to look into just that, and it doesn't. Um, and you find all kinds of, in addition to all these crazy claims about tea, which we find with a lot of cure-alls, um, there are some really weird facts. One in particular that I like the best about green tea is that uh, if you're an office worker and you stare at a computer all day, and this was in the same sentence where it was like, green tea has polyphenols that are good for antioxidizing. Also, it protects you from computer radiation that you're absorbing every day. So drink your green tea to create a shield between you and your computer to block the radiation. Excuse me? <laughs> kind of went off the reservation there. Well, exactly. Yeah. Which you can with tea very easily. Yeah, it gets so, crazy. It's not stopping the world from drinking it. Um, I thought, I assumed that British people were the biggest consumers of tea. Ireland, Irish people are the biggest consumers of tea, actually. Like per capita? Uh, yes, but, but, tea accounts for 40% of the daily fluid intake of the British people. Man, you all love That's it, That's a huh? crazy amount of tea. That's a lot of tea. Yeah. That's a lot of tea. Now I want some tea just to get better and heal myself I will from stick, all my maladies. I will stick with the more nutritionally sound beer. Beer. Hey, okay. folks, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Be sure to buy some posters. My brother, my brother, we're going to be out in a few minutes. 
But until then, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. <laughs> The three of you enter a cave of a big red dragon and is standing over a hoard of precious golden rubies. And he says, what do you do, adventurers? I'm a dragon man. I cast fire on him. It's very good. I address the red dragon to say, us, we're the hosts of The Adventure Zone, a podcast about family playing Dungeons and Dragons. Very good synergy. Commit to the bit. I, I, <laughs> I roll to charm new listeners. It is very effective <laughs> against all odds. Everybody, we're the Macroids. We host the Adventure Zones, a podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons together. It's a comedy podcast. We don't take the rules too seriously because there's a lot of them and we did not take the time to learn them. Maybe listen to us. We come out every other Thursday on the Maximum Fun Network. You can find us on iTunes or on MaximumFun.org. I think this promo is a critical hit. <laughs> <laughs>